Good morning, sports fans, bettors, and cappers, and welcome to the Daily Competitive Hedge Podcast. I'm your host of the show, Kenneth Cotterell, and thank you all for joining me here this morning. Uh, this show is all about sports and the world of betting. We talk about uh, today's plays, uh, as well as recap yesterday. We had a good betting day yesterday, uh, not only games, but also any major headlines that that made it into the sports news yesterday. So, uh, our episode today is also brought to you by our sponsor, Bet99. Bet99 is a Canadian sportsbook and casino that offers in-play betting, player props, and many more great products. There are a variety of sports available on the website to bet on, and Bet99 works smoothly on both desktop and mobile. Uh, depositing and withdrawing funds is hassle-free, with a number of well-known methods available to use, so you know your money is safe and secure. The website can be viewed in both English and French, and customer service is available 24-7 on live chat. So go to bet99.com today to make an account. Use promo code SHOOTERS to get started, and please gamble responsibly. You must be 19-plus years of age to do so. So let's talk about yesterday's betting recap. As I said at the beginning, it was a good day yesterday for the show, 3-in-1 day overall started in the uh, early afternoon here in Saskatchewan as one to nothing was the final in that Man United game. We had Man United first team to score at minus 143. Uh, Jaden Sancho was the one who scored there. Not a great Man United performance overall, but they got the three points and that's all that matters in the soccer world. So shout out to Sancho for scoring the lone goal for United uh, as we had the first goal there. Then West Virginia and Pitt, they covered the over 50 and a half. They covered it quite easily, 38 to 31. Didn't look that way in the first half, but in the second half, they exploded for 49 points between the two teams. West Virginia was able to cover the seven and a half, as that's what it was before the start of the game. Oklahoma State and Central Michigan, this was our big whiff of the day, and sometimes you just have to laugh because they almost went over this in the first half. The, the game finishes... 58 to 44 and we we're on the under 60 so Oklahoma State almost covered it on their own and giving up 44 points though to Central Michigan was not what I expected from this Oklahoma State team early on so uh, shout out to Central Michigan on their performance and then Purdue and Penn State over 51 and a half this one cruised over as well 35 to 31 Penn State not only wins but also covers that spread and Sean Clifford yesterday, four touchdowns for Penn State. So he outplayed Aiden O'Connell for sure. Now, when we're talking other game results, we did see Seattle won 7-0 on the diamond. We saw the White Sox 7-1 over Kansas City. Andrew Vaughn and A.J. Pollock hit home runs there. And in the Seattle game, Julio Rodriguez and Ty France hit home runs as well. Then you had the Nationals. They won 7-5 over Oakland. Joey Mancis. Hit a three-run home run in the bottom of the 10th to win the game. 
Uh, they had already given up a run in the top of the tenth, so Joey came in and got them the W. Then you had the Mets won 5-3 over the Dodgers. Bassett, he went six innings with four Ks in the wind, and Brandon Nemo and Starling Marte both had runs driven in in the bottom of the seventh inning. Then you had Baltimore 3-0 over Cleveland. Bradish went seven innings and five Ks. Despite Shane Bieber having an 11K performance, it was not enough as Baltimore hit three solo bombs to win the game there. Boston, they won 9-8 after scoring four runs in the bottom of the ninth for the comeback victory. Then you had Atlanta, Spencer Strider, eight innings pitched, 16 Ks for the rookie. Michael Harris also hit uh, home runs, as did Austin Riley. So that was the win there for Atlanta. And then Arizona, 5 to nothing over Milwaukee. Merrill Kelly with a 7-7, seven and seven, seven innings pitched, 7 Ks. And Christian Walker hit a two-run home run in the bottom of the first, and that was all they needed in order to pick up the result there. Now, other headline news yesterday. Donovan Mitchell was traded to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, in this deal, uh, Utah gets Lori Markkinen, Colin Sexton, o- Oche Agbaji and three unprotected firsts and two pick swaps. Now, Mitchell for Sexton is essentially a swap of starters, but Mitchell's obviously a serious upgrade over Sexton. Not that Sexton's a bad player, but Mitchell is a top 25 player in the league. Now, Markinen, he's always been hurt throughout his career, dating back to his time in Chicago. And then you had Agbaji, who's a rookie, but he is on the older rookie side of things. So Utah got a nice haul here, getting the three unprotected first. We know Danny Ainge really loves getting draft picks. So after thinking about it over the last, you know, 18 hours or so since the news dropped, I I think it's an okay trade for both sides. Um, Cleveland, this gets them into the playoffs for sure. They were kind of a fringe playoff team prior to that. But how good they can be, we'll have to wait and see on the Cleveland side. As they we know, they have Garland. They have uh, Mitchell as their backcourt. You've got Evan Mobley, the rook, who would have been Rookie of the Year had he not got hurt last year, and then Jared Allen. So you have a couple of all-stars. You've got Karis LeVert as well. Uh, you've got Isaac Okoro. This could be a very good Cleveland team. Just where do they fit into the Eastern Conference? It's probably uh, in the playoffs, but closer to eight than the one seed. And so they need Mobley to become a superstar at the end of the day if this is going to work in Cleveland. Uh, as much as I love Donovan Mitchell, he's just not going to carry you to a championship. Now, Russell Wilson, he's on a five-year, $245 million extension. He's the second highest paid quarterback by year now in the NFL, just behind Aaron Rodgers. Wilson got $165 million guaranteed. Russell Wilson, though, he is 33. Uh, part of what makes him good is the fact that he can make plays with his legs as well. So, We'll see how much longer he can keep doing that. Now, he's only missed three career games. Uh, so I think he's going to be fine for the first couple years of this contract. Once you start getting into 2027 and 2028, I think he could struggle a little bit as he gets up there in age. But Denver's already knows that they're in a tough division. They're going to have to see Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes for those five years. So locking in Russ long term was a good decision for them. And then Jake Ottinger, he got an extension in Dallas, three years, $12 million. He had a massive postseason for Dallas as well. He was only tw- He's only 23 years old, and he posted a 954 safe percentage versus Calgary in the playoffs, which is absolutely insane. 
Dallas has had a tough time finding goalies. They tried to bring in Ben Bishop a few years ago, but now they lock in a guy in Ottinger that they can rely on long-term, and he's young. So I think it's a great move for the Stars moving forward. Now let's talk about today's slate of games. Uh, There's a lot on the slate here today. We'll start with the baseball plays. As we keep stating, no baseball official plays being put out by this show after a rough September. Uh, We're down 30 units all due to baseball, so we're going to fade the baseball plays. But Toronto, they play the Pirates today. They got Manoa on the mound. They're minus 250 on the road, so if you're going to bet them, you kind of have to bet the run line there. You got the Reds and Rockies, Sessa versus Freeland. Uh, I do think that Freeland is the better pitcher in this matchup, but just going to fade this game altogether. Don't love Rockies or Reds. Don't have a lean either way. Same with the A's and Orioles. They got Sears and Kremer going. I don't trust either guy, so I would stay away from that game. You got the Tigers minus 110 at home taking on Kansas City. You've got Lynch and Hutchinson as the two pitchers here. Uh, Don't love either guy. I would lean the over eight and a half if I was going anywhere with this game, but not a part of our official card. German versus Springs as the Yankees take on the Rays. The Rays are minus 130 here. The over-under line is seven, another fade line for me. Uh, These lines are very tough to judge when you've got two good pitchers uh, this late in the season. You got the Mariners and Guardians as well. Mariners are minus 140. They've got Luis Castillo going against Zach Plesak. Uh, I would go the over seven and a half here, but not an official play. You got the Rangers and Red Sox. They were 9-8 yesterday, and I've got Dallas Keuchel and Pavetta on the mound. I would definitely take the over nine and a half here. Don't love either pitcher. Uh, Then you got the Mets and Nationals. Mets are minus 275. You got Peterson and Gray. I would take the under in this game because I just... Don't trust. Uh, I don't trust Washington's bats as much as I think they could get to Peterson and the Mets coming off an emotional series with the Dodgers. You got the Braves minus 175 against the Marlins, but the Marlins have Sandy Alcantara. Stay away from this one overall. The Braves are heavy favorites, but Sandy could pitch eight or nine innings very easily. Twins and White Sox, you got Gray versus Martin. I like the over in this game. Don't like Martin at home, so I would lean over in that game. You go Cardinals minus 240 against the Cubs. Stay away from the Montgomery and Sampson matchup. Angels and Astros. Astros on the road, but they're minus 145. You got McCullers versus Detmers. I like the Astros here today at minus 145. You got Lauer and Davies going as the Brewers and Diamondbacks square off. Uh, I would take the under eight and a half in that game. Then you got Padres and Dodgers. Darvish versus May. I would lean Padres upset, but betting against the Dodgers is never a smart decision. And then you have the Giants minus 120 versus the Phillies. It's Cobb versus Gibson. Eileen Gibson for the upset here today uh, at close to even money. Now, when we're talking other games today, we do have West Brom and Burnley in English Championship Soccer. That one will be a part of our betting card in a few minutes here. As will on the CFL side of things, we have Ottawa taking on Montreal. Two of the lesser teams in the CFL, but when you're in the Eastern Conference of the CFL this year, that's going to happen. If you just compare the two conferences, there just really is no comparison. You probably have the three best teams out West, if not four teams out West. College football, we got another loaded slate today. Uh, We will not be betting games like William and Mary versus Charlotte. 
or even Tennessee Tech and Kansas, but we do have a few college plays. We waited in the waters yesterday with these plays, and we feel pretty confident about the ones we've got here today as well. Two and one starts the college football season. Other soccer games today, you got Celta Vigo taking on Cadiz. Um, we faded Cadiz earlier in the week when they took on Athletic, and that one hit for us on a 4 0 win. But I do like Celta Vigo minus 140 money line. I just can't put it a part of our betting card today because Cadiz is going to pick up points at some point, and Celta Vigo aren't exactly world beaters. I think they're 12th in the standings of La Liga. So we're just going to fade this game today. We're going to keep an eye on it, though. Maybe a live bet opportunity. If Cadiz goes up early, then I think Vigo could still steal a point or all three. So maybe go in and live bet that one. You got Borussia Dortmund and Hoffenheim scoring off in Bundesliga today. Now Dortmund is fifth and, and their only loss is to Werder Bremen on the year. Now Dortmund, they've scored seven goals from seven different players so they don't have that clear-cut guy up front that's doing all of the production. So this is a very tough team, but they're also taking on Hoffenheim. Same record, they're fourth in the standings. Their only loss is to Monk and Gladblack. And so they must, uh, if you're on the Dortmund side of things, you got to figure out a way to stop Christoph Baumgartner. He's been the one that's been producing most of the goals for this group. So with that being said, let's get into our official plays for today. Heading into a loaded weekend of college football and EPL, we're going to go with some college football today and then a bit of soccer and CFL. So let's start with that English championship game, which was West Brom versus Burnley. We're going both teams to score at minus 121. Now, both teams are top five in goals per game. You've got West Brom there at 1.6 and Burnley's at 1.9. So Josh Brownhill, he's already got four goals for Burnley. He's one that if you're looking for a player prop, maybe for him to score just with the hot start to the season. But West Brom, they're sitting 14th in the table right now. They're a team that went down last year. And so they need a result at home here. They must score in order to get the three points. I think it's going to be a pretty open game as West Brom's going to fight for that three. And so while I do think that Burnley's also going to score in this game, I think we're going to see an up and down match. And so I love the both teams to score at minus 121. Then we've got Ottawa versus Montreal, and I'm going Montreal minus four and a half today. The Owls are four and six on the year. They're taking on two and eight Ottawa team. The Owls have won two straight coming into this one and three of their last five. So they've been playing much better football. They even knocked off the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in the upset of the season. So they're coming in. They're at home. They're coming off a of bye week as well. Ottawa, they've just beat Edmonton, but that doesn't mean anything when you beat the Elks. They're the worst team in the CFL by far, in my opinion, even if the record doesn't show it. And so the Owls, they've won uh, by seven in their last matchup that they played a few months ago. Uh, I think that if they can figure out a way to turn over Arbuckle, then they're going to win this game for sure. Um, Ottawa, in that Edmonton game, Arbuckle didn't turn it over. And so I think that's why I see a lot of people playing the Ottawa plus four and a half. But we're going to roll with Montreal to get it done at home, win by a touchdown or more. And so at minus 112, we're going to take the minus four and a half. Then Temple plus 10 and a half, 10 against Duke today at minus 121. So Duke, they're 0-6 in their last six against the spread. Temple, they went out and added a couple of solid running backs. So this offense is going to look a lot better than it did last year. Duke had one of the worst defenses in all of college football last year. It is an improved defense, but that's not saying a whole heck of a lot. 
Now, Duke is also starting a new uh, QB. So I like this spot to be a tight finish for the youngster as he comes in for this one. Now, 63% of the public are on Duke. So a lot of people think they're going to cover this. But I bought the half a point because the actual line is nine and a half. Getting to that 10 number, I feel a lot more comfortable. Uh, gives you that full touchdown and field goal uh, spread. So we're going to roll with Temple today, though, at plus 10 at minus 121. Then you got Western Michigan taking on Michigan State. We're just taking Michigan State minus one or minus 21 uh, on the spread at minus 110. So Michigan State last year, they were 9 2 and 2 against the spread on the year. Western Michigan, they're only returning 45% of their production from last season, whereas Michigan State, they're coming back with 72%. Now, the majority of the production that they lose from last year was Kenneth Walker. And they went out and they, they were able to add some running backs there to uh, you obviously can't replace a guy like Kenneth Walker, but you can certainly patch it and make it look uh, all fine, well and dandy. So uh, you've got Western Michigan. They've got a sophomore QB. He's thrown a total of five passes in his career. And so I'm anticipating a massive blowout here. 75% of the public are on the minus 121 or on the minus 21, not 121. But I do think that they're going to cover this spread pretty easily. We could see them up 28-0 or 35-0 at the end of the first half. And then they cruise to the victory. And then Colorado versus TCU, we're rolling with the over 57 at minus 125. The official line on this one is 58.5. We bought a point and a half here. But the Buffalo is there at home. And the TCU defense is not very good from everything that I read. They gave up almost 38 points per game last year. Now, Colorado, they have a solid front seven, uh, but they're also not a great team overall, despite the fact that they're going to be uh, at home for this game. So I think it's going to be a tough place for TCU to win. They're ultimately going to win this game, though. The fact that they're minus 14 heading into this game, I'm not about to tell you to take a 14-point underdog on the money line. So TCU, they love to play in shootouts as well. Um, and when you lack defense on both sides, this definitely has shootout potential. Uh, as I said, I'm buying a point and a half here just to be safe. But at minus 125, I'm going to take the over 57. This is the late game of college football if you're on the East Coast, 10 p.m. Eastern time. So that's our full betting slate today. Thank you all for tuning in. Our final NFL team preview for the Pittsburgh Steelers is out with today's audio version of the show. So keep listening for that if you're on Apple and Spotify. Also, follow us at HedgePod on all of our social media platforms. Welcome back to the Competitive Hedge Podcast. It is September 2nd, which means it is our 32nd and final NFL team preview. Now, yesterday was all about the Washington Commanders. We talked about Carson Wentz, about how they looked heading into the year, potentially making the playoffs even in the NFC, as the NFC is quite wide open. But today, we're heading back to the AFC we're talking about our final AFC North team, that being the Pittsburgh Steelers, a team, one of the best franchises in the entire NFL, countless Super Bowl titles, but they may be going into a rebuild now. So let's talk about the recap for the Steelers last season. Now the Steelers, they finished the year 9-7-1, and this is a team that started 1-3 last year, so they did not get out to a hot start but they did win four of their final six games. 
to sneak into the playoffs. They even had a tie against the Detroit Lions, one of the lowest points probably for the Steelers last year, given how poor that Lions side was. But they went into the wild card round. They took on the Kansas City Chiefs, where unfortunately they lost 42-21. to So they got bounced early from the playoffs. Now, this team, they were the 23rd ranked defense and the 24th ranked uh, offense. So not a great team on either side of the ball. Now, to be fair on the defensive side, it more so had to do with the rush rush defense. They did get a lot of uh, quality in the passing defense category, but they did have Big Ben as well, who threw for 3,700 yards. They had rookie Najee Harris out of Alabama, who had 1,200 rushing yards. And then TJ Watt with 22 and a half sacks for that Steelers defense. So what do they have to look forward to this year? Well, this is the first year that they're not going to have Ben Roethlisberger since 2004. And yes, he dealt with a little bit of injuries down the stretch. People said that he had a bit of a noodle arm the last couple years in the league. So now they're moving on and they're searching for that franchise quarterback this year. They went out in the offseason. They added Mitch Trubisky, who he was the starter in Chicago for a couple years. Then he went and sat behind Josh Allen for a year. Now he has an opportunity to be the starter, it looks like, for week one. But hot on his heels, he's got Kenny Pickett, who was the pick quarterback that they drafted at 20. He was the first quarterback off the board in what people would call a relatively poor quarterback class. Now, they also have Mason Rudolph. We're not too worried about Rudolph. It does seem like it's a two-man race for getting the majority of the snaps this year. So as far as other players, they brought in George Pickens, who is the Georgia wide receiver in the second round. They added defensive tackle DeMarvin Leal out of Texas A&M as well. They also made some other moves. They traded Melvin Ingram to the Kansas City Chiefs. They brought in Joe Schobert. They extended Minka Fitzpatrick, and they also ditched Juju Smith-Schuster. He is now a Kansas City Chief. So the big storyline obviously heading into the year is going to be this quarterback situation because, yes, we talked about you know the Steelers being a bottom 10 defense. It didn't feel like that last year. It felt like you feared this defense because of guys like TJ Watt and Fitzpatrick in the secondary as well. So when you look at this quarterback situation, you've got Pickett coming in. Uh, He's going to sit behind Mitch for a little bit. Now, some people are higher on Mitch than others. Um, If we're talking to Pat at the network, who was on a few days ago talking about San Fran, he's a big Trubisky guy. And then you talk to other people, and they think that Trubisky stinks. So this is truly Trubisky's last shot if he's going to be a starter in the NFL moving forward, I think, because... He's going to have the weapons there. We'll talk about them from a fantasy perspective in a minute here, but the weapons are there. Uh, The O-line, it did improve a little bit. They did bring in James Daniels on the O-line, so will be a bit better. We know Najee had a lot of rushing yards, but that was on a ton of carries last year, so this is not a great offensive line. So who's going to be the starter moving forward? Personally, I think Mitch is going to be fine, but I don't think he's going to play well enough in order for the fans to embrace him. I think at some point with Pickett sitting behind him, when the season starts to go awry, whether they're at two and six or maybe three and seven, the calls are going to come that they need to make a change at the quarterback position. And so that's where I think Pickett will come in. He will play at some point this year as the starter. 
They want to evaluate how this kid's going to look and whether they need to look at potentially quarterback again next year or whether they're going to ride it out with Pickett or Trubisky as their starter. Now, from a betting perspective, this is a this is a tough team to bet on because, first of all, you're definitely not going to bet on them to win the division. Um, plus 880, they have the worst odds. They're even behind Cleveland, who has Jacoby Brissett playing for the first 11 weeks or so. And so this is not a bet the division. This is not a bet the playoffs at plus 285. Not interested. Also not interested in a juiced minus 400 line on them not making the playoffs. So when you look at this over-under win total, this is the one that we're going to key in on because it's 7.5. And And we are talking about a Mike Tomlin team that always finds a way to be above 500, but do they really have the roster to do it this year? Now, when we're talking from a division standpoint, there's no reason that they shouldn't be splitting with Cleveland this year. They might even potentially take both games off of them depending where they're at when Deshaun Watson comes back, but I think it's more likely that they split. Now, you also have Baltimore, who's probably a playoff team this year, as well as Cincinnati, a team that went all the way to the Super Bowl last year. So it begs the question of if they're going to go and win two games, three at the very most, then they have to go and play the non-division schedule really, really well because... Uh, You have to go and win 5 of 11 games in order to make it matter. So let's look at some of these games. You've got got the AFC East uh, with New England, the Jets, Buffalo, and Miami. Uh, So that's that's a lot of, I wouldn't say tough games because I think Buffalo, you, you take the L there. Miami or New England, you could potentially steal both if not split. And then the Jets, that's a game that you have to win if you're going to hit the over here. Then you throw in Tampa Bay, you've got Philadelphia, New Orleans. Basically, you have the entire NFC uh, South as well. So chalk Tampa up is a loss. Then I think New Orleans and Carolina are much like that Buffalo-New England situation where you could steal both more likely to split, and then you should be able to beat Atlanta. Otherwise, you've got Philadelphia, you've got Indy, and you've got Vegas as the remaining three games, and I don't feel confident that you're going to go above 500 in those three games. So to me, this is a fade line. I want to have faith in Mike Tomlin so badly because he's been so good for so long. I just don't see it here with this group. And so as much as I think they can get to 8-9, and nine, I tend to lean 7-10 and 10 more so that they're going to go under at minus 102. But once again, I would fade that. If I'm talking about betting anything here, I would potentially bet at minus 173 them to finish fourth, and then you hedge it with third place at plus 360. You hope that Cleveland really struggles with Jacoby and that they throw the season away. I think that's the only real value that you could get out of this, but that's my thoughts on the betting slate for Pittsburgh. So... Let's talk about fantasy value as far as this team goes. Now, quarterback-wise, there's just better options because even if you're in a dynasty league, if you're in a two-quarterback league, you have to draft both Pickett and Trubisky, and are you really prepared to go out and draft both of them when you could just go and get Carson Wentz, go and get Jared Goff? Guys that you know they're not great but they're not going to lose their job this year. I'd rather have Davis Mills knowing that he's going to be the starter all year round in Houston. So 
quarterback wise just don't bother fade it all together i don't think it makes a lot of sense there running back wise you got Najee harris where he's running back six now if we're talking about where he was last year he was fourth in standard he was third in ppr he's behind jonathan taylor christian mccaffrey derrick henry austin eckler and dalvin cook now he is ahead of joe mixon and deandre swift i a thousand percent agree that he should be ahead of swift i'm a little bit more divided on the Mixon situation after how he played last year and in that offense that being said Najee is no competition there he's going to get a ton of carries as I said the O-line is improved so I think he has that top five upside especially since four of the five guys I just said that were ahead of him have an injury history of some sort so until these until a guy like Najee or Jonathan Taylor go out and get injured I'm more inclined to take a guy like Najee in the first round and feel comfortable doing so. Wide receiver-wise, you got Deontay Johnson, whose ADP is 42. We're talking about him being behind Terry McLaurin and Michael Pittman, and he's just ahead of Jalen Waddell and DJ Moore. I don't love not knowing the quarterback situation here, but Deontay was still top 10 in PPR last year. Now, a lot of that was Big Ben really didn't trust Claypool, didn't trust Juju, so Deontay, he force-fed him the football. But this is where I struggle of, okay, is Trubisky really going to fall in love with him, or is Pickett really going to fall in love with him? We don't know that, and so that's where I'm a bit hesitant. I do like Michael Pittman a bit more. I do like McLaurin and, and Moore a bit more. I would draft Deontay ahead of Jalen Waddle, though. When we're talking other wide receivers, you got Chase Claypool, who's 114th on the ADP and then George Pickens who's 117. I'm personally fading Claypool after last year. He was wide receiver 37 in fantasy and he only missed two games. To me he had a really great rookie season that was very touchdown dependent and as much as it hurts me to say it about my Canadian brother I just don't see it this year. I think you've got better options. I would rather go with the Pickens upside here. I would hope that Pickett and Pickens really connect and that that's going to be a duo that could help you come fantasy playoff time as a potential league winner and then to cap it off you've got pat fryermuth he's tight end 11 he's just behind dawson knox and zach Ertz. he's just ahead of mike gasicki and cole Komet, depending where you play your fantasy league to me fryermuth's just in that tight end wasteland that we've mentioned so many times in these team previews where I'd probably just draft two of these guys. I'd draft Fryermuth, I'd draft Gasicki or Fryermuth and Komet or Fryermuth and Knox and then just play the matchups and hope that you play it right that particular week. I think this year more than ever, I'm more inclined to go and get one of those elite tight ends. And so I don't think I will get Fryermuth in any league, but if I do, I think you're relying on a touchdown here and that's not where you want to be from a fantasy perspective. So what would my expectations be of the Steelers this year? I think this is just an evaluation year. You need to figure out if you have a quarterback there that can be a part of this franchise for the next five to ten years because you had Big Ben there for almost two decades and now you need to figure out who's going to be that next great Steelers quarterback. After Bradshaw, it took a long time to find that guy and so hopefully it doesn't take as long for this franchise they have a good coach. They've got great positional guys, whether it be Deontay Johnson on offense or Najee Harris or TJ Watt on the defensive side, who could be defensive player of the year every year that he plays. But this Steelers team isn't great. 
Don't expect the playoffs if you're a Pittsburgh fan and just hope that next year you come back with a bit better of a roster and you can truly compete in what has the potential to be the toughest division in football next year with Deshaun Watson playing a full schedule. So we could not thank all of you enough for listening to uh, our team previews. Uh, It was a lot of work, but it was definitely worth it. And we're really excited. In the next couple days, we're going to put out a full NFL season preview with our division rankings where we have everybody as well. And can't wait for you guys to see that. And thank you so much for tuning in once again to the Competitive Hedge Podcast. Give us a five-star review on Apple and Spotify. And we'll see you guys tomorrow for the daily.